Lightning Lee Murray wanted to be world champion in the UFC. He just happens to be involved in the largest cash robbery in the world. He's definitely not sane. <laughs> Showtime Sports presents the unbelievable true story about the MMA fighter who pulled off one of the largest heists in history. Huge amounts of money, armed gang, disguises, kidnapping. This is the sort of thing you see in Hollywood films. We've never seen that for real. Catching Lightning, streaming Friday, April 7th, only on Showtime. Streaming with Paramount+. Plus. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's going on, Broncos Country? Tanner Lee here for another weekly edition of the Orange Weekly Post Game Podcast. Uh, my co-host Jeff Ryan will be joining me shortly as we'll be breaking down everything. In regards to the Broncos' dominating win over the Arizona Cardinals on Thursday night football by a score of 45-10, to we'll also be kind of addressing some of the trade rumors that have been going around with uh, Demarius Thomas, Chris Harris Jr., Emmanuel Sanders, and Brandon Marshall. And Jeff is attending the Broncos game on Sunday at Arrowhead, so we're going to get his thoughts on that experience. And he actually went to a Broncos-Chiefs game in Arrowhead way back in 2003, so... Um, I want to talk to him a little bit about his past experiences at Arrowhead as well. So uh, with that said, here's a little music from the Mad Fanatic. Well, Jeff, it's uh, about time that we can finally talk about a win again. It's been a, it's been a handful of weeks, uh, and not only do we get to talk about a win, we get to talk about a dominating win in which our Broncos beat the Cardinals Thursday night by a score of 45-10. to 10. Uh, What were your main thoughts on the game? Oh, I mean, I was really, really thrilled to get back on the winning side of things. Um, you know, I'm still realistic going forward with where this team's at, but it's just refreshing to see that this group could pull together in a really critical moment of the season. You know, I think uh, we all realized that if we didn't win that game, that a lot of changes were going to be happening mid-season, and, and that's still possible down the road here. But, um, again, I thought the guys showed a lot of fight and uh, had a perfect game plan. And you, I just really felt like you saw a different intensity from this defense that we haven't seen all year. And, and I know we're playing the one and now one and six Arizona Cardinals, but um, regardless, you know it's still an NFL opponent, and uh, I was proud of the way we showed up and exerted our dominance, especially on the defensive side of the ball all night, and uh, and it rewarded ourselves. So it was good to see. Yeah, it's, it was nice to see that the coaching staff hasn't lost this group. Um, yes, I mean because they easily could have came out laid an egg like they did against the Jets. And we yeah. would have been talking about how the season's already over. Instead, they went out, improved the record to three and four. Um, still going to be an uphill climb from here, especially with yeah. the upcoming games. But they're in a lot better position at three and four than they would have been at two and five. That's for sure. Oh yeah, I mean it's incredible how that one win does give you a different perspective because two and five, the season's over. The coaching staff probably is different today. 
honestly. Um, you know, and I, and I think mentalities within the locker room would be totally different. I, I really like Joseph's comment in the locker room post game when he told the guys, you know, let's be this team moving forward, you know, and it's easier said than done, obviously, but, um, I think you saw the fact that we do have the ability to play a good defensive game from start to finish and the offense was creative. And I, I think you saw the guys rallying around each other all night and I was impressed. I, I really thought that it was very possible that we could have lost that game. And, uh, I'm glad that we, we stepped on the throats of a, of a one in five football team, uh, when we needed it most. Well, we came out and did exactly what we needed to do. We came out and punched Arizona in the face and really, Yep. Couldn't have asked for a better start. Uh, pick six on, no. I believe, the third play of the game, if not the second play of the game. Derek Wolf yep. tips it up in the air. Todd Davis gets his first career pick and not only picks it off and takes it to the house. Yep. Then uh, when we got get the ball back, um, we run a, a trick play, which I guess they can call the SMU play, which it was a reverse to yep. Emmanuel Sanders who threw it downfield to Cortland Sutton who made a diving catch in the end zone for a touchdown, a little SMU to SMU connection there. And then I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the next time Arizona got the ball, uh, the receiver kind of quit on the route. Chris Harris Jr. jumped it and returned it for his fourth career pick six. So, I mean, right away, up 21 zip, filling on top of the world. Yeah, we haven't seen that in quite some time. Um, You know, we hadn't even scored 30 points all season. And so to go out and score 45, in large part due to the Due to the defensive side of the ball, uh, that was really good to see. I mean, Ke- Keenum didn't really put up a lot of throwing yard numbers, um, but I thought he controlled the game really well and 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 you know fit into his role the entire game game plan really well. Um, of course, Philip Lindsay still looks great, and uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm really impressed. I'm, I'm glad that the coaches got the guys ready to play. Yeah, absolutely. Um... And and let's talk about some of the guys that you thought stood out on defense. At least in my opinion, I already kind of mentioned Todd Davis. I thought he had a career game for himself. Ten tackles, six of those solos, one tackle for loss, uh, two pass deflections, and a pick six. I thought he balled out. Um, Chris Harris Jr. thought he had a great game. Of course, had his fourth career pick six, like I mentioned. And then Von Miller, uh, our best player, uh, arguably in my opinion, the best pass rusher in the NFL. He had been so quiet the past few weeks, wasn't quiet this past week. Four tackles, nope. two solos, two sacks, one tackle for loss, five QB hits, two forced fumbles, one fumble recovery. Now he leads the league in sacks, I believe. At least he did go in Enzi yesterday. I don't know if anybody passed him with seven and a half on the season. Thought he was great. And then Bradley Chubb had uh, three tackles, uh, three solo tackles, two sacks, two tackles for loss, three QB hits. And his uh, sack total was up to, I think, uh, six and a half, if I'm not mistaken, on the year or something like that. (laughs) Leads the rookies, I know that much. Um, Pretty incredible for a rookie. Yeah, it really is. I mean, you know, a couple of weeks ago, a lot of people around Broncos country were wondering if we made the wrong move. But the way he's been playing and building confidence, I think he's just showing that the Broncos definitely made the right move. And it was just nice to see that defense be so aggressive and play so well and disrupt uh, the young rookie, Josh Rosen, who ended up having a pretty rough night. His stat line ended up being 21 for 39 for 194 yards, only one touchdown, three picks, and got sacked six times for a total of total yardage loss of 40. Yeah. 
I know the guy had a rough night and, and he's having a rough year on a bad team um, being thrown into this position. But I got to be honest, I didn't never wanted the Broncos to draft him and already looking at him in live NFL action. I, I just don't, you know, he could turn out to be a fine quarterback. I don't know, but I, I, I'm, I can tell you that I'm glad that we don't, we didn't draft him. I'm not overly impressed and not even by the way he plays, but just, just how he looks on the field, how he carries himself. There's just kind of that, almost that Cutler look to him at times that I got pretty tired of. <laughs> yeah, he definitely um, has some down. resemblance to Jay Cutler, in my opinion. Yeah. Body language. But no, I, yeah. <laughs> but no, I agree. I think the defense, you know, Vaughn finally stepping up. You were asking that question just last week, you know, when is he going to show up? And he did so um, today. And, you know, it, everyone's going to point to the fact that we we played Arizona Cardinals but and while that's true you still have to go out there and play the way we did against that kind of team and so you know I'm glad I'm glad that we we stomped on them um, because that's what you should do against a bad team so um, I thought Pecco again looked pretty good I've noticed he's just been um, even from the start of the game he got things kind of fired up with a quick stop on David Johnson and you could just tell that kind of set the tone and then that you know, two plays later, Davis gets the pick six. And, of course, Chris Harris is old reliable there. And I thought Bradley Roby played a better game. And I the only reason I even felt like that was because I didn't notice myself getting mad at him. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so that's a good that's a good sign as well. Um, hopefully this gives us some confidence moving forward. Uh, like you said, the schedule doesn't get any easier. And, um you know, the, our opponents that we're going to play are definitely going to be a heck of a lot better than the Arizona Cardinals. So hopefully this, this gives us a little bit of confidence and some ideas on how to play better football moving forward. Yeah, and you've mentioned it earlier in this podcast, I believe, and on previous podcasts, how it doesn't matter what your opponent's record is. They're still an NFL-caliber team, and anybody yes. can beat anybody, really, if you're not up to your game. I mean, I always refer back to look at what happened with the Vikings earlier earlier this year at home against the Bills. I mean, yeah. they just weren't prepared and weren't mentally set, and the Bills came in and whooped them. So, but it was it was just it was so nice to see the defense respond, especially when Vaughn Miller came out to the press and said, you know, we're going to kick their ass, and made all those statements, and it came true. We really did kick their ass, and yeah. uh, our run defense only gave up sixty nine yards on twenty one carries, no touchdowns. The longest rush was only fourteen yards. They only averaged three point three yards per carry. I mean, the ground control is back, at least for last week. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, I mean, that's a dangerous running back. I know he's not having the kind of year that he would want to have in David Johnson, but um, still a guy that can pose a big threat, and we shut him down. It, it was really good to see. Yeah, for sure. And the, uh, on the flip side, our run game, we had 131 yards on 31 carries, two touchdowns. Philip Lindsay was the main workhorse with 14 carries for 90 yards in the touchdown. Royce Freeman had 13 carries for only 37 yards but did get a touchdown. But Royce uh, ended up spraining his ankle during the game. Uh, I haven't read anything today or yesterday, but I believe uh, last I heard, at least Adam Scheffner reported, it looked like he could be out for a little while. Have you heard anything? I haven't heard anything different than that, but I don't expect him to uh, play Sunday against Kansas City. Um, it's really too bad because even though Lindsey has looked like the more dominant back, Royce provides a pretty nice role of uh, just kind of being a different mix, um, maybe a little more ground and pound to him than Lindsey. I mean, Lindsey's kind of that more finesse uh, runner, 
that, that looks a little flashier, but the two differences in their style is kind of nice to have. So um, I do think we're going to miss him, but, you know, hopefully he can come back uh, here within a couple of weeks. Yeah, and, and Lindsey's going to have to be the bell cow. I just hope mm-hmm. they don't give him too many carries because he is – I still worry about his size and getting so many yeah. carries. Uh, and we'll look for, I guess, Devontae Booker to be mixed in more in the run game. Uh, he didn't have yeah, any carries I, the other night, so. Okay. I do think uh, – I agree with you. I don't want to see Lindsey go up to all of a sudden like 30 carries or something like that. But, I mean, if he can get I, – I feel like Lindsey's the kind of guy that should touch the ball at least 20 times, you know, and maybe 20 to 25, including passing routes. I mean, if he can get 20 carries and, and uh, five receptions kind of thing, or at least five targets even, um, that I feel like he's that valuable to the offense to be getting, to be touching the ball that often. Yeah, I think 20 total with run, uh, carries and receptions between would be pretty good. Oh, yeah, I would take that. Um, but uh, let's talk about Case Keenum a little bit. What was your uh, What was your perspective on Case's night? He was 14 for 21 for 161 yards, only one touchdown, Still yet again, one interception. Only took two sacks for a yardage loss of 11. Uh, how do you think mm-hmm. Case played on Thursday? I mean, it was not impressive by any means, but I, I feel like the game plan, especially the way the defense set the tone, kind of kind of settled into him not needing to throw the football that much. I mean, 21 pass attempts in an NFL game isn't that many. Um you know, and the interception was disappointing again. Um, I mean, it was kind of a weird play. He just totally overthrew. Um, I want to say it was Emmanuel on the route, if I'm correct. Now that the game's four days away. Yeah, I, I honestly don't remember uh, who he was throwing I, to. I believe it was Emmanuel, and I think there was a slight miscommunication, and he and he just overthrew him. And the, the defender made a great play, but it was still just not a very good throw. And um you know he's he's settling into that unfortunately into that kind of mold of a journeyman quarterback like we've already talked about many times on this podcast and uh you know you just in the NFL you're not going to be successful with a one to one ratio of touchdowns to interceptions that's no. not a recipe for success in the league so it's disappointing but at the same time I'm not mad at how he played. I mean, I thought he controlled the team pretty well. There was the trick play that set up. So, uh, for those points early in the game. And so it was 21, nothing already before case really even had a big role. So I don't know. I'm not really disappointed, but obviously the pick is, is the scarring mark on his night. Yeah. And you, uh, spoke about the trick play, which case set up, uh, Manuel Sanders, we talked about earlier through the pass to Cortland Sutton on a reverse for a touchdown. Uh, that was a 28 yard touchdown pass by Manuel. He also had six catches for 102 yards and a touchdown became the first Bronco in Bronco history to throw for a touchdown, run for a touchdown and catch a touchdown all in the same year. Pretty That's impressive. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. He was the only guy. He's to, yeah. He, 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 he's playing his best football since uh, 2014, that's for sure. Yep. Um, yep. And uh, he was the only Bronco receiver over 100 yards. Demarius Thomas had five catches for 42 yards. Cortland Sutton had just that one catch of, that we've talked about many times now 
of 28 yards and a touchdown. Matt Lacoste had one catch for 12 yards. Philip Lindsay, one catch for six yards. Devontae Booker, one catch for negative one yards. So, uh, yeah, I mean, didn't spread the ball around as much as we have in the past a uh, few weeks during the season. But at the same time, like you said, Case only um, attempted 21 passes. So, yeah. Um, I guess, and this is getting away from the game a little bit, but I kind of want to hit on that. What's your thoughts right now on the rumors swirling around, especially on De- with the, what it looks like Demaryius Thomas on the trading block? Yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised. Um, I do think this would be the time to let him go if we're going to. I mean, he's young enough. He, I mean, he's come on, let's be honest. He's, he's nearing the later stages of his career but he's still young enough to i think make an impact on a on a competitive team um i mean he's been so productive for us and it it kills me to to think about him leaving honestly because even though we're we do get really frustrated with the drop balls and and the look of like laziness at times he's still been really productive for us has had some some big moments as a bronco and you know i don't ever like seeing those kind of players leave but at the same time to make this football team better, I think Cortland Sutton fits so well into this team and, and deserves more touches. And it, it it just simply makes sense to move on from him. And if you can get some value for him, um, I think it makes sense. What, do you, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I tend to agree. And when you're talking about uh, where he is up there as far as uh, best Broncos receivers in history, I think he's number two. Arguably yeah. number one, who you ask. I still think Rod Smith is probably mm-hmm. number one. But um, they asked Demarius about um, his thoughts on this uh, trade rumor, and his response today was, it's football, man. It's a business, and that's what happens. It's happened before. I never thought it would happen to me, but I'm just like everybody mm-hmm. else. I'm an athlete, and that happens once you get older. That was his response yeah. today to the media. Um Adam Scheffner was on this morning on 104.3, the fan out in Denver like he is always uh, once a week, and he said he believes the Broncos will be sellers and not buyers at the trade deadline, which isn't shouldn't be that surprising to Broncos country. No. A few of the other names who have been rumored to be on the block, but I haven't seen a ton of concrete evidence, Chris Harris Jr., Emmanuel Sanders, and Brandon Marshall. Thoughts on any of those guys being on the block? Uh, I mean, because we're three and four, I would really hate to see us just totally sell out. Um, I mean, I know that we're not really a very competitive football team right now. Um, but you're three and four and I don't know what you can really get for those guys. I think Emmanuel or Chris Harris would bring the most value in, but it's not like going to be the Amari Cooper trade we saw today where you're getting a first round pick. I mean, you know, there's no, no way we're going to get a first-round pick for those guys, I don't think. Maybe for Chris Harris, but even then, I doubt it. Um, you know, I Brandon Marshall, I don't know. I honestly wouldn't mind seeing him go. I mean, he's he's been okay, but I think he's one of those guys, too, that he had a really good year the year of the Super Bowl because of every piece around him. And, you know, I think he's been – above average but not great you know i could i can't say he's great against the pass i don't think he's the the best in coverage um he doesn't bring any pass rush effect on the on the defensive side of the football so um 
I don't know. I mean, I, I don't I don't like seeing the Broncos break their team up. It's not something that we're really used to um, because it just means you're you're rebuilding. <laughs> And it's not something we've had to really do. I mean, I don't, I can't remember a trade deadline where the Broncos truly sold, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I, if it can make the team better, great. But if you're just doing it to get rid of money and, uh, and get rid of guys because they're getting older, I just don't, I don't know what value that adds. Oh, and as far as all three of those guys, they're all three on the books for next year. Uh, yeah. Demarius Thomas is owed fourteen million next year. Wow. Uh, man. I mean, he's he's the one guy that. Sorry to interrupt you. No, you're fine. The one guy that does make some sense because I think Cortland Sutton looks so automatic to fill the number one wide receiver ro- uh, role very quickly in his career. Um, but if you lose a guy like Chris Harris, I mean, look at how bad Bradley Roby has been this year. We don't have a guy that we can just put in for Brad or for Chris Harris, excuse me, and expect to be very good on defense. So well, and that's a great point you brought up because I think that is why they're looking into the possibility of maybe getting rid of DTs because Cortland Sutton and maybe possibly getting rid of Brandon Marshall because of Josie Jewell. Uh, I think yeah. Josie Jewell's already proven himself through the early part of the season that he can be a reliable uh, mm-hmm. piece in that linebacking core. Um Demarius is uh 30 years old this year, will be 31 next year, making uh, $14 million. and then he's set to become an unrestricted free agent at the age of 32 in 2020. Emmanuel Sanders is on the books next year for uh, $10,250,000. He's 31 now, so he's a year older than DT, will turn 32 next year, then be on the books to be an unrestricted free agent at the age of 33 in 2020. Um, can't think. He does have a pot- potential out after this year in his contract, but mm. I can't see him doing that as long as the Broncos want to bring him back. Um, yeah. And then Chris Harris Jr. is on the books next year. He's uh, 29 right now, will turn 30 next year. So he's still fairly young, kind of in his prime of his mm-hmm. career. Uh, $7.8 million he'll get paid next year. And then he's an, an, an unrestric, unrestricted geez, free agent at the age of 31 in 2020. Um, okay. And I'm a big, big uh, Chris Harris Jr. fan, as you know. Oh, yeah. Um, I would love to see him finish his career in the orange and blue. Um, I would, too. But I, I don't know if that will be possible or not. I, 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 would, I just don't think it makes sense for us to get rid of him. But what do I know? I'm just a fan. <laughs> I, I, but I, I agree, though. I don't know how getting rid of him makes our team better. I really don't. Well, um, in, in particular, when you said, like, look at our reserve defensive backs. Right. They're not ready to take on a bigger role. I mean, you get rid right. of him, Bradley Roby's got to be your number one corner. Isn't that scary? Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. That's terrifying. Yeah. I mean, so. and Isaac Yadam has proven that he's not ready. Um, so, no, I I don't know. I don't. I hope that doesn't happen. No, me neither. Hopefully, uh, you know, my guess, if I had to guess, uh, one of my dad's really good friends texted me today about my thoughts about the Marius and – I shared with him exactly what I've already said on this podcast, but my guess would be I think he ends up this season as a Bronco and then we get rid of him in the offseason. Yeah. That is my yeah, guess. And I, but And I agree, and I think if that happens, we're not going to get anything for him. I don't think he'll be tradable at the end of the season like he is now. I could be wrong. Um, 
but I could be see it being one of those situations where we have to cut him and get nothing for him, which would stink. Um, but I I don't know. I could be wrong. I don't know what what his value is to other teams right now. I think it's easier to give a guy away midseason when there's some competitive teams saying, you know what, we got a shot at getting to the Super Bowl this year if we can add one piece. Whereas in the off season, I think teams look at it like, well, we're going to build through the draft and kind of see what free agents fall once cuts are made. And I just think it's harder to make a move like that with a guy that's not in the prime of his career. So, yeah, and I'd we'll be I'd be interested to see what teams have been calling about him. Um, if the Dallas Cowboys were, they probably aren't now, as they uh, gave up a number one uh, first round draft pick to the Oakland Raiders today for Amari Cooper. Um, yeah. You know who I think would be a great fit for him, actually, is Green Bay Packers. Um, I don't know if they have any interest in adding a wide receiver, but, you know, with Devontae Adams, Randall Cobb's getting a little older. Um, they lost Jordy Nelson. I mean, they're a team that could be more competitive, but um, I'm sure Aaron Rodgers would love to have a physical guy, physical presence like Demarius Thomas on his team. And I'm sure old uh... – Hoodie and Joshy McDouche have uh, made a <laughs> made a phone call in, but hopefully Elway's smart enough not to give him to New England because yeah. he didn't give Tlaib to New England this past year. So right. hopefully he knows right. better than that. But uh, I'm sure they've made their phone calls. Um, yeah, and can't blame any team really. I mean, Demarius still, I think, still has some uh, productive football left in him. Um, he, he does. He so does. so we'll see. Yeah, one be, other. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. One other thing is I think. Uh, I, I think if we lost against Arizona and we're two and five, I think all four of those guys would be much more in conversation to be gone. All four of them, <laughs> to be honest. But um, it's kind of nice that this trade deadline's coming before Kansas City. <laughs> and um, if I no, it's next. Is it next? Next week? Uh, usually it's week eight. So. Okay, I'm, I'm incorrect. I think it's next Tuesday. Yeah. So we'll see. I don't know if Kansas City, the way we play against Kansas City, is going to have an effect on it. But um, I don't know, man. It's. I hope not. I hope we don't get blown out and the, there's a whole house, you know, fire sale. But well, and I want to talk about Kansas City a little bit, and, and I don't want to really talk about the game itself because that's for Jared and Matt, who do the pregame podcast every week and do a good job with that they they handle that so i don't want to step on their toes but you're going to be there in attendance sunday at arrowhead and you've been to a bronco game at arrowhead before i just want to get your um perspective on what watching a broncos game at arrowhead is like from your past experience and what you're looking forward to this time and i know everybody will be real eager um to hear about your experience on next week's podcast yeah, man. No, it's it's really fun. It's a fun place. It's uh, it's a really special place to me. I mean, I've never seen the Broncos win there, and it still goes down as uh, one of my favorite football memories. Um, obviously, the Broncos and Chiefs have been huge rivals for a long time. They came in the league. Um, to, I thought they came in the league together at similar times. Um, I know that Kansas City, of course, started out in Dallas. But anyway, um, they've been, you know, bitter rivals for a long time. And I think Kansas City fans hate the Broncos more than the Broncos fans hate the Chiefs, um, to be honest, because, you know, there's they just haven't won 
a lot. I mean, they have, they've won one Super Bowl. Um, and I think they were, you know, tired of Elway stomping on them. They, Elway beat them um, in that divisional round in 97, I believe, on the road um, on our way to to our first Super Bowl. And so there's been some big Broncos Chiefs moments. Of course, the Atwater and Christian Okoye play will be remembered forever by Broncos fans. But um, I was out there in 2003. Um, it was, I think, I would argue one of the best Broncos Chiefs games ever. Um, and we had Jake Plummer at the time. Um, we were up 23-17. And I believe this was either late third quarter or early fourth when Dante Hall returned a, I want to say, 94-yard punt return all the way to the house. Arrowhead was going nuts. Um, I'll never forget the clipping and blocking the back missed calls. <laughs> um, but in the same moment, it was, it was just really cool to be there. I remember I was only like 12 years old, so I was crushed and the Chiefs fans were not the kindest to me, to be honest, but, uh, I'll never forget. It was a perfect, you know, blue sky fall day. The stealth bomber flew over the stadium, um, beforehand. It's, it really is one of the neatest NFL venues, um, to be at. I mean, they have great fans and, It'll be fun this weekend. You know, I I hate to admit how good they are, but they are uh, they're a really fun team to watch right now. And um, it's going to be a hostile environment. It's going to be hard to wear a Broncos jersey, but I'm going to still do it proudly. And, um, you know, I think uh, Patrick Mahomes is going to be a special player for a long time. So it'll be cool to see him in action again um, out there. I've already seen him once in Denver, which didn't go well. <laughs> um but no, I'm I'm excited to be out there regardless, and I'm I'm glad that we're going into this game with the attitude uh, that we have after that win against Arizona. Because I think if we would have lost, uh, there wouldn't have been a lot of hope in this game. And I'm not I'm not at all expecting us to win, but I do think we're going to play really hard. And I expect us to be in the game at half. Um, you know, I I'd be thrilled with a close game, maybe less than a touchdown deficit kind of thing, but um, I just hope that we're competitive and that we, we show some passion and pride and, and play good Broncos football. But uh, if anyone in Broncos country wants to go to an NFL, a special NFL game, you know, getting their arrowhead should be on their list. Yeah, and, and you, you, you hit on it that the Chiefs are playing good football. I mean, just look, for example, what they did last night on Sunday Night Football at home oh, against yeah. the Bengals, who – Good team. Who, who's a good team? A forty-five ten, just like we did against the Cardinals. Uh, it was it was pretty impressive. I hate to say it. Um, what yeah. jersey will you be rocking on Sunday? It's a good question. I, I'm bringing out my Elway and Vaughn jerseys. Um, I thought about the Atwater, uh, but I think the white will stand out a little bit more, and uh, in the sea of red out there, so. They don't like Elway too much, so I might go with that one, but uh, yeah. we'll see. It's always a uh, safe call wearing an Elway, yeah. uh, especially into a away environment. It's always always oh, a yeah. good call. But uh, Well, Jeff, uh, enjoy the game. Uh, cheer hard for the Broncos. You know, make Broncos country proud. I know you always bring it, as the uh, listeners could tell from last week's podcast when your voice was a little <laughs> dead the next day. <laughs> uh, so I expect uh, when we record next week, maybe you'll still be a horse and – have a hoarse voice, and hopefully it's from a, a Broncos win. I appreciate it, Tanner. I hope I do have a voice to get on the podcast next week. Uh, 
Actually, part of me hopes I don't because if I don't, it might mean that I was screaming enough for for uh, for a Denver Broncos well, that, win. That's so. what I what I was trying to get at. You just put it in <laughs> yeah. better words than I did. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> but anyways, man, uh, safe travels down to Kansas City this weekend. Have fun and uh, go Broncos. All right, thanks, Tanner. Go Broncos. And that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Orange Weekly Post Game Podcast. Once again, I'm your host Tanner Lee. You can follow me on Twitter at the underscore t underscore lee. Like the Orange Weekly uh, Facebook page. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Orange Weekly. Check out all of our great content, podcasts, shows that we do every week. Uh, starting on Mondays, Jason does the Orange Weekly After Dark show. That's on Facebook Live. Uh, Tuesday night, we got our Beer Broncos and No BS show hosted by Kev Dan, and he's usually joined by David or Ray or another member of the Orange Weekly staff. That's at 7 o'clock Mountain Time, 8 o'clock Central, 9 o'clock Eastern. That's where you guys can interact with us on Facebook Live. We take your questions. We talk about anything you guys want to talk about, so please get involved with that. On Wednesday night, myself, along with Kev Dan, host um, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. That's on Get Vocal. We also stream it on Facebook, but we don't take any questions on Facebook. You have to get on, get vocal, send a, uh, you can send a question on there by messaging, or you can come on the actual feed with us where we can see you, you can see us. It's kind of like a, similar to a uh, call-in radio show, but uh, via webcam or cam over your computer instead, uh, we'll be breaking down everything that was good, bad, and ugly from the Arizona Denver game this past Thursday, which, spoiler alert, I don't think we'll have too many bad things or ugly things to say, but that's also at 7 o'clock Mountain Time, 8 o'clock Central, 9 o'clock Eastern. Then look for uh, Jared and Matt for the um, their pregame podcast. They'll be breaking down everything you need to know going into Sunday's matchup at Arrowhead against Kansas City. They get real and deep in the X's and O's and do a fantastic job with that. And then during halftime of Sunday's game, get on Facebook and, uh, and join us for the halftime hash, usually hosted by either Ray or Kev Dan. They do an awesome job uh, letting you guys know what they liked and didn't like during the first half of the games. And uh, hearing from you guys uh, what you guys liked and didn't like. So Get involved with Orange Weekly. You don't want to miss anything when it comes to the Broncos, and we are on top of that. So um, big game this weekend. Go Broncos. And here's some more pump-up music from, from the Mad Fanatic. Orange, man. 